By the way, where is Arthur? Well, I'm letting somebody in right now, but it doesn't show up with his name. I don't know. Ah, there's Arthur. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Well, we got it working, so. Yeah, mine was, uh, <laughs> has it into work as well. Good to see you guys. Good. Good to see you yeah, too. Yeah, the first. This is the first time I've seen you. I guess it is. I well, yeah. I've, right. I've seen you guys in a couple of the video casts, and they've been they've been coming out really nice. Um, did you get my email about the Star Wars? Yeah, I did. That's a cool story. Yeah, I'll definitely include that in part two of the episode. Yeah. Happen to remember that Bob when when David Prowse was touring? As a matter of fact. Um, I have it here. <laughs> there's my uh, there's a sign that said Darth Vader was going to be coming. I have that somewhere too, but this is the signature that I got from Darth Vader himself, David Prowse on tour. Did he sign it as Darth Vader? Uh, yeah. yeah he was, he was, <laughs> we're talking. We're talking. And when he did the voice, he really scared me. He almost scared my father. He said, there'll be no personalizing. I mean, he, he, did, the, he did the invitation of James. <laughs> wow. Fantastic. Do not remember that at all. At that time, I was living in, um, let's see, when Star Wars came out. I was in Bismarck, North Dakota, so he may not have, he may not have made that highlight. Yeah. Have you guys watched Dr. No just recently in the last few days? Yeah. Yes, I have. Less than yeah. a week ago, I watched it. Yeah. You know, one of the things about Doctor No is I just feel like it's one of those iconic films in the sense that it sets the trend. I mean, the 1960s afterwards, there were so many spy films and spoofs and comedies. Oh yes. And women, you know, who were spies. Things um, and our man, our man Flint. You had, you know, that series, and then. Oh yeah. Even the even the Peter Sellers series, you know, the that was probably influenced as a comedy. Oh, the, version. Pink, the Pink Panther, <laughs> the Pink Panther series. I mean, it would be like a comedic version of having a serious spy that was going to be out there. And the Cary Grant was was considered for this role. Um, were you guys aware of that? I read that. Yeah, I didn't know I, that. I read that in somewhere when I was putting it together. It had to do with North by Northwest. He would have been good in it. He was good in North by Northwest. Yeah. Apparently, apparently they also. Well, we sold can't out. forget Maxwell Smart. Yes, that's not to mention <laughs> all his TV shows. Um, Hitchcock, apparently, I didn't realize this myself. I have a book. It's not in this book necessarily. I've been going through it. You may have this book yourself from 1983. It was re-released from '81. But Hitchcock was considered to be uh, a person who would take over that film as a director. Oh wow! And I guess he turned it down. Huh. It would have been a different movie if if Hitchcock and and Cary Grant had re reunited for James Bond. <laughs> Dang! You know, I actually kind of wish I kind of wish that it happened once. Cary Grant just wanted to make one film. James Mason was approached. He wanted to make a two film version, a two film uh, a, a co contract. But uh, I kind of wish that Cary Grant had a chance to do something and then just do a one off. And then have Sean. It would have been interesting. It's a it's a shame almost. But uh, our typical uh, intro here, where we just start talking, we should introduce ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. 
well, yeah, you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon, patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And we just got a new patron today, Saklani. Thank you for becoming a patron. I re we really appreciate that. It's great to have you on board. Uh, and I'm Matt Johnson coming to you from North Bend, where it's raining once again. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. And our guest, Arthur, and the show movie, Dr. No. Arthur, one to of be us. here. No. Yeah. I remember being a, I was a junior in college in, uh, at the University of Colorado. And this film came out and it was like wildfire on the campus. Everybody had to go see it. And I went to it, I think the second night it was in, in the theater, and it was uh, sold out. It was just a fantastic, it was so different from anything that I'd seen before in the way it was done. So I remember it like it was yesterday. You thinking it was going to be one of those movies that people will be talking about for, for a long time and might start a trend of more films as a character, but James Bond, I mean, they have been written in books since 53, but they probably weren't as famous. Uh... I don't. I don't remember that. I just remember that it was like it was the first time I'd seen the the good guy quote. Uh, shoot, shoot the bad guy. He said, "You've used, you've used your six. Stop it, Professor. I'm behind you. It's funny. I thought you'd turn up sooner or later. Sit down. The girl talked. But of course, and they were suspicious of the Queen's Club anyhow. When it turned out you were the only one who'd seen Strangway's new secretary. And then later at the lab, you made no reference to the fact that Strangway's samples were radioactive. Very clever, Mr. Bond. But you're up against more than you know. You shoot me and you'll end up like Strangway's. And you killed him? He was killed, but never mind how. Who are you working for, Professor? Well, you might as well know, as you won't live to use the information. I'm working for... Mr. Smith and Wesson. And you've had your six. That was groundbreaking for me. I hadn't seen that before. And uh, the other things in it. But I I don't know that I would have thought about it in, in the terms that it's now, what, 20... There's 20, there'll be 25 at the end of this year, and then those two others that were, that were done independently. So I, I, know, I don't think I would have thought that. But I could hardly wait to go see it again. I saw it, I went back about a week later and saw it again. And it was still packed. <laughs> must have made a fortune on that, that one city opening. So doing the, the James Bond movies, this was your idea, right, Arthur? You know, it was. I, I just looked over. Um, there have been so many nice films that were done at the point when I looked at that. Maybe at that point it was about 186, something like that. So there's been a few more films that I just said to myself, the James Bond movies are embedded, you know, into the mindset. And I said to myself, how many people would you imagine who are maybe 18 and more who would hear certain terms? James Bond, Bond, James Bond, and not recognize that. I've actually yeah. had an interesting experience, though. About 10 years ago, I spoke with someone who was a client. That client at the time was about 78, so about 80, 82 years of age. 
And they were referring to a party that was three or four years ago. And he was at a party. I think he said that I'll have a martini shaken, not stirred. And then the money was bond. <laughs> and then apparently the bartender who was, was about 75 years of age at the time, it's about 14, 15 years ago, did, just said, huh, what's that all about? And he was so surprised that someone, I mean, this is back then. So that would even make it even more of a surprise that they did not recognize that terminology. I'm, I'm sure it would happen today in various parts, but it might not be the most common experience. <laughs> Such an iconic line. It's like, oh, it's you right know, it, Bond, James Bond, you know, that, that, that <laughs> opening that he's got in this movie. Galta. No. I need another thousand. I admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Mr. Bond, I suppose you wouldn't care to, um, raise the limit? I have no objection. Doing these uh, Bond movies or Star Wars movies makes me nervous because there are literally millions of people out there in in the world that know far more about any of them than uh, I would ever know. <laughs> I remember yeah. the things I enjoy and, and and all that, but I have a good friend who's a big Star Wars fan, and he starts talking about that, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just going to be quiet because I can't take it to that depth. And I'm sure that that's true with this as well. The, the following is so big. Um, and uh, the, the whole composition in Dr. No, it starts off that theme that we get to hear in the other films. And uh, it's iconic. But I think it's also interesting. Um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. I, I noticed something about Dr. No. It's about a year ago. I was watching it again. And the music is used in a different way. In the, in the beginning, you, you hear that music as he's doing something. And then you hear that great iconic theme, mm -hmm. but there's sort of, and then he'll stop it and then he'll do something again. And then it comes on like it's in the background as he's doing something. But I don't think I can recall that in the other Bond films where you're just seeing him and then he starts doing something and then the Bond uh, you know, theme follows him. I, I, I might be wrong about that. That's like you said, there's people who know the ins and outs of these films uh, so well, I, or at least not quite in the same way. You know where it's as a background, and uh, I noticed that too. That's funny that you mentioned oh. that because it actually it actually was noticeable. There was a scene where he was skulking around the base, the underground base, and the music was playing in the background. And then he, I think he like opened a door, and and it sort of like hit the crescendo of the of the music. You know, da 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 da, -da and it, and it, he opens the door, and it was like that was weird. It was not. <laughs> I don't I don't remember that in the other movies either. Yeah, I like that too. Um, <laughs> good, good analysis there, Matt. Too. It's can you imagine playing that music and having someone not recognize it? I mean, even all throughout the world, the James Bond series may even be more popular in other countries outside. I, I think it could be Germany, um, England, Great okay. Britain, um, South Africa. You know, it's it, it probably. Well, is. I remember in many of the James Bond films, I wanted to hear that music more often when the action was taking place. I, I kept thinking, why aren't they playing that? I, I, I love that. It adds to the it adds to the whole effect. So I, I think that's a good point. I don't remember it uh, being like playing as much, even with From Russia with Love, which is my favorite Bond movie, by the way. I love that film. Many people like that film so very much. I know it's many people's favorites. Uh, and the other two, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, that's a film I have a friend of mine who's been talking about that movie He's uh, one year behind me, so Matt's age, basically, born in May, just a month ahead. 
and I'm just one year ahead in June. Uh, and he said, this is, this is about 12 years ago. He said, that movie is underappreciated, needs to be appreciated a lot more. And I wish that it was. Now, in those 12 years, it has gone way up. I mean, he, he's been talking about it. I think it's his favorite film, and he knows them all pretty well. I wouldn't say it's quite my top favorite. I think it's like in my top five or six, but, you know, it's, it's not that much of a difference. You know, when we talk about films being rated, no. they're all gems, and for the most part, they're pretty much all on a high level for me. Um, Moonraker is what? one of those movies that's under <laughs> thought of, too. I mean, to me, you have to sort of understand what it's trying to get at. You know, it's, a, it's not a regular what? film. It's fantasy. I've, I've given my favorite, which is from Russia with Love. I'd like to hear, Arthur and, and Matt, what are your favorite? What, what is your, if you had to pick one that you would never get tired of seeing above all the others? Live and Let Die. Yeah, that one is my favorite. Yafet Kodo's performance in that. Um, Richard Harris, sorry, the, the guy who plays with the hook. Not Richard, but I forgot his first name offhand. But he's a fantastic actor. All those actors are super. Right? I love them all. You know the scene yep. where the motorboat comes in and it crashes. Um, there, there's a wedding party. They're getting married. I, I believe that may have, may have been an actual couple, and they may have gotten married some hours before, and they asked them if they could use that scene during this scene. So they may have already been married, but they had this big, you know, massive crash. Oh and God. I think they agreed to do that. Right. There might've been some money exchanging hands even for that. I don't blame them. Why not? If you're, you're going to be <laughs> no, me And if you remember that well, sign it, it, that it, says, it, it, trespassers will be eaten. That apparently is a real sign. Yeah. That was something <laughs> they saw and they yeah. motivated them to make the scenes there. Very, very interesting. So Matt, what's, what's your favorite? Of all of these. I, I like the Roger Moore movies. I think those are the movies that I grew up with, you know, and, and have the most fond memories of. I, I think it's either View to a Kill or um, Moonraker. Probably View to the Kill. I, I think that that theme by Duran Duran is so iconic. I love that song. And up the Eiffel Tower or down I forget I think it was up the Eiffel Tower and then Grace Jones like parachutes off at the end uh, is is one of it just sticks in my mind as being really well done um, so yeah the, probably that and then for the new Bond uh, Daniel Craig I'd say Casino Royale I, I, I thought they did a great job of rebooting the, the series with that movie Matt I'm on board with with you on that the Casino Royale is definitely my favorite Daniel Craig by a, by a chunk I've read that a lot of folks would even put Roger Moore sort of at the bottom of the Bond, uh, you know, actors, but I really, Oh yeah. I think, you know, well, a lot of times, a lot of times, yeah, yeah, I agree. I think he's great. I think he kind of personifies the more sort of uh, cultured bond, you know, and brought a different character to it than Sean Connery. Uh, And I love that they were able to continue the series, you know, so they had the series with Sean Connery, and then rather than just sort of like end it, they said, well, let's just recast and then, and, and then let, we'll have Roger Moore. And then, you know, so uh, I was reading, I think we did that uh, sort of bonus episode, Dad, on, on, on uh, James Bond. And this is the most successful media empire in history uh, with Bond. I mean, there's the movies, there's radio plays, there's books. Um, 
I think there was even an anime. I think there was even all an the merchandise at some point. So yeah, all the merchandise is incredible. Um, it's everywhere. So Matt, you 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 told me a couple maybe last month that you and one of the kids uh, watched all the Star Wars movies from beginning to end in order. And I bet Arthur, you've watched all the James Bond movies from end to end in order. And my weakness was I spent one weekend watching the three Godfather movies from back <laughs> from the beginning to end. In one week, you want to feel like you need to go buy go buy a double-breasted suit. That's the way to do it. So these movies just get under your skin. You cannot get enough of well, them. There was a bad Bond, you? I don't think there you is think a bad film really... in the series. I agree with I you, know. Bob. I don't think there's one bad film. You can't say it's a bad film. Maybe some that you like more, but I don't think you get a bad film in that series. Star Wars. I'll say the same thing. They're all they're all quality on some level. You were saying, Dad, that it's kind of groundbreaking with the way that the main character shoots that guy. Mm -hmm. It shoots him in the back, too. Yeah. Uh, but Ursula Andress coming out of the water like that is one of the most iconic scenes in film. And she is she's quoted as saying that she doesn't really understand because she all she did was come out of the water and her bikini wasn't even... <laughs> right. Then all, all of a sudden, like, overnight, she was this huge sensation. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm sure there must have been 500 guys, 500 people in the in the film in the in the theater that night. I watched it for the first time. Every guy in there was applauding <laughs> when she came out of the ocean. It's like, wow! You can't miss that you scene. See that? That, that is truly a scene <laughs> and a half. And you know, it's quite brilliant too because she looks beyond fantastic. And the way they do it, they don't try to overplay it. They they just no. have a good camera angle. They have her not overacting or underacting, and it looks so natural. I mean, literally, you feel like you could just sort of be there. Hopefully. I read where they dubbed <laughs> both her voice and her uh, that she didn't speak any of the lines herself in the film because of her uh, difficulty with English. I had I did not know. I never noticed that in the film when I saw it. Any any one of the times I've seen it. So well, I also like that she's. Um, She's got this big knife, you know, when she's coming. She's got, so she's going to defend herself against uh, James Bond if, if she needs to. I, I like that she is at least introduced as not being, you know, this uh, weak person. You know, she's she's out there on her own. She's out diving, getting these shells, and she's ready to take care of herself if she needs when to. When she's talking to James Bond, that's one of my favorite sort of scenes there. There's many good scenes in this film, but that one's kind of funny. She gives the story about how there was a man who sort of, you know, did bad things. And she mentions, I let the Black Widow spider. And she's like, oh, geez, you think that's a bad thing? And he's like, well, I wouldn't make a habit of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> I never met a detective before. Are you going to arrest Dr. No? No, well, someone is. We can't have him try to kill everyone who comes here. He doesn't just try. Hmm? I'm pretty sure he killed my father. What do you mean by that? You see, my father was a marine zoologist. And we came to the Caribbean for him to study seashells. Then one day he came to Crab Key. And I never saw him again. They said he must have been drowned. But he was far too good a diver for that to happen to him. And didn't the police investigate? And what about your family? Well, they investigated for a long time. Then they said missing, presumed dead. I haven't got any family. There was only my father and me. You mean you're here all alone? Where did you live before you came to the Caribbean? All over the world. 
the Philippines, Bali, Hawaii, just about anywhere there were shells. I suppose you went to school somewhere. I didn't need to. We had an encyclopedia. I started at A when I was eight, and now I've reached T. I bet I know a lot more things than you do. Didn't anyone in Kingston help? Well, there was this man who owned the place where we were living. He let me stay on for a while without paying. Then one night he came up to my room. Well, you know. I scratched his face and then... But he was stronger than I was. And what happened after that? I put a black widow spider underneath his mosquito net. A female and they're the worst. It took him a whole week to die. What did I do wrong? Well, it wouldn't do to make a habit of it. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good line. That is a very good line. What's implied there? I mean, it's it's really well written in that scene uh, because they don't they don't need to say much, but you know what happened. And her name too. One of the tamer names for what what are what have become known as the Bond girls, but Honey Rider. <laughs> Yeah. The other character that appears a lot in the films are uh, Felix Leiter. And uh, Jack Lord plays him in this film. And I, I swear, Jack Lord is every bit as good looking and, and Bond like as Bond himself. They were really equals. And in later films, they, they changed that character somewhat. And I read one of these obscure articles that they wanted it not to be quite the same level of character that he was in the first Doctor No in the Doctor No film. He was a little too, too much like Bond. I don't know. Did you ever think of that or read about that? I, if I recall, I think there may have been. I think Jack Lord might have wanted a little more money, a little more something rather to be in the next movie. It didn't quite work out, although it went well for him because he did Five O relatively soon after. Ah. I, like I agree with you though about, but he definitely could have. I mean, if you look at his presence. He has that way about him. He sort of is a little bit that Bond style. So yeah, we've got um, Joseph Wiseman as Doctor No. Um, I was reading the trivia before the show, and there, in that that uh, the title of the movie got translated into Japanese as "We don't want doctors." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That is uh, that is very very funny. That is great. <laughs> that is I wonder if that affected the tickets. I read an article on on Joseph Weisman that he's the spookiest. He's the spookiest actor in theater. They wanted to pick a guy that was really scary. He he did. He had that spooky look to him. This was the first time I watched Doctor No, and I, I remember when I first saw him, I thought, oh oh gosh, here we go again. We've got a white actor who's playing a, a Asian character. And but then they explained that he's actually half German. I said, okay, all right, I can we can let that slide, you know. <laughs> but it, he kind of sets the the template for later Bond villains. I think he's a little bit more uh, quote unquote realistic than some of the other Bond villains. But you know, he even gives it. He, he even makes it so that there's a way that Bond can escape. You know, and there's sort of this countdown. And, and then he explains the whole plot to, you know, to Bond about what he's doing, which is like a classic Bond movie thing. Clumsy effort, Mr. Bond, you disappoint me. I'm not a fool, so please do not treat me as one. And that table knife, please put it back. 
Well, we can't all be geniuses, can we? Tell me, does the toppling of American missiles really compensate for having no hands? Missiles are only the first step to prove our power. Our power? With your disregard for human life, you must be working for the East. East, West, just points of the compass, each as stupid as the other. I'm a member of Spectre. Spectre? Spectre. Special executive for counterintelligence, terrorism, revenge, extortion. The four great cornerstones of power, headed by the greatest brains in the world. Correction. Criminal brains. The successful criminal brain is always superior. It has to be. Why become criminal? I'm sure the West would welcome a scientist of your caliber. The Americans are fools. I offered my services, they refused. So did the East. Now they can both pay for their mistake. World domination, same old dream. Our asylums are full of people who think they're Napoleon or God. You persist in trying to provoke me, Mr. Bond. I could have had you killed in the swamp. And why didn't you? I thought you less stupid. Usually when a man gets in my way, You were different. You cost me time, money, effort. You damaged my organization and my pride. I was curious to see what kind of a man you were. I thought there might even be a place for you with Spectre. Well, I'm flattered. I prefer the revenge department. Of course, my first job would be finding the man who killed Strangways and Quarrel. Unfortunately, I misjudged you. You are just a stupid policeman. Whose luck is run out? He was good in the role. I was going to ask you, like I, I mentioned to Matt when we were talking about Dr. No earlier, like, a couple weeks ago. It seems like to me the film has two parts. The first act is when he's first on assignment and he goes to the Caribbean and he's chasing down who did what. And then about halfway through when the uh, tank shows up that's dressed as a dragon with a flamethrower, yeah. it then changes from, from the, kind of the original spy movie into something a little bit more out there and a little bit more science fiction. Did you, did you see that? Did you see, see that transition? Or I never noticed I it I, any other times I watched it. I, I do see that tone difference. It's, um, that's something, I mean, I had a chance to watch the movie and uh, because we're talking about it now, I have it silenced in the background in another place just to sort of get the sight again. But I enjoy seeing it. I do understand what you're getting at. It's, it's a, that's something I notice. But for some reason, it doesn't seem to bother me in the movie. It seems to go well the way they're doing that transition. I don't know why. Um, they, they do some fantastic things towards the end. They do more you know, explosions and other types of stuff. I, I do understand what you're getting at, though, yeah. with that transition. Um, I'm not sure what minute that is in the film, but it's. I think it may be a little bit more apparent than in other of the Bond films, where it seems to have a different uh, divergence to a different style. I came to this conclusion about that. The first half of the film is the spy movie from the 40s and 50s, and up until the late 50s. There were some, and, and it, was that, it had that feel to it. And then it transitions in the second half to more of the modern 
kinds of uh, Bond films with the explosions and the chases and the more science fiction. It's almost like they segued from the past to the future in that film, but I may be overdrawing that. Well, the space program, I mean, was happening big and the whole idea of futuristic stuff, it certainly was around. I mean, this is before Star Trek, but Star Trek was had a lot of things it was uh, coming from in terms of, you know, concepts and, and whatnot. I, I think, I think in a way it's like a, you know, it's 1962. It came out, it was being filmed probably. They, I, I think in a way it's, it is making that, uh, showing that site of change within, within spy thriller drama. I mean, it's a bond type of a movie, but the cold war spy, uh, film. And you're right. I don't, I don't think you look at a film that would have that type of mixture of those two things. And it's probably another part of the reason why it's so trendsetting. So forward thinking and um, enjoyable today to see. Yeah. I'm sure many people would find. It's so much fun to watch it. It is. And the villain himself is fantastic. But that scene where he has the doctor and it's that uh, cage type of scene. And it's got the, you know, you see like he's in a cage and he has to get yeah. the tarantula. That that scene to me is also very enjoyable. It's well done. I mean, the whole you know they they made it very special. I heard the the background they were talking about it was a few people on um, on a track, you know, um, commentating about it, and it was it was uh, done in a very it's it's not overdone. You know, you look at the scene; they're not trying to overdo that, and uh, it's terrifying. You feel bad for this crazy doctor who's working with the guy, you know, and he's going to have to pick up a <laughs> tarantula. <laughs> which was quite a terrifying scene as well. That's that's one of those scenes that I think is also kind of iconic too. I mean, it's really well done. Sit down. Why do you disobey my strictest rule and come in daylight? I had to. Bond came to see me this morning. Yes, I know. I gave orders that he should be killed. Why is he still alive? Our attempts failed. Your attempts failed. I do not like failure. You are not going to fail me again, Professor. No. Uh, I came to warn you. Warn me? Tell you. Bond has discovered those rock samples of Strangways came from Crab Key. He's not a fool. He's sure to come out here. I hope not. If he does, I shall hold you responsible. I make myself clear. Yes, quite clear. Go to the table. You see what is in the cage. Pick it up. He keeps he keeps messing up and not being able to kill Bond, and so I, I also <laughs> I also read that uh, that uh, Sean Connery was terrified of spiders, and that they had to film that scene where the tarantula was climbing up on him through a plate glass window, and you can kind of see that in some of the shots that it's like pressing up against his arm. 
Uh, but I, 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 I oh, find that funny because tarantulas, you can take the stinger out of them and they're totally fine, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. I mean, they're not as deadly as many other spiders. I think they would be deadly if you were sick or a frail person. Uh, but I think in general, thank God, they're, they're not. And people have them as pets a lot, too. And, uh, yeah, they're definitely they're creepy. Terrifying them. They're so big. <laughs> they're terrifying. <laughs> so, so, so the window between uh, Connery and the, and the tarantula? Yeah, I, yeah. If I didn't. You, if I didn't go back that. to that scene. You'll you'll notice that the glass is pressing on his his like upper shoulder here as the spider climbs up. And uh, yeah. Oh, I missed that. Another Don't blame them. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty terrifying moment. I think that's a good <laughs> use of having an object in between you. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. No. Not, oh yeah. It's understandable for sure. It was totally believable to me. Now, the other thing I noticed about it, if I were going to be captured by uh, somebody like that Dr. No or any other bad guy like you know, in, these, in these films, I would want to be put into a, a place that looks like the Hotel Ritz yeah. where the prisoner was. I mean, that, that, whole, that whole set for where they kept them as prisoners, was that was like the Hyatt on steroids or uh, one of those really fancy five-star hotels goodness sakes and then it all blows up <laughs> it was tragic this is the first bond movie that we see but you know when when james bond uh meets the, the actors john K kitz miller um coral now that scene to me i'm i'm just trying to think i can you guys think of any bond scene where he meets a, a guy who's going to become his friend to work with him but he doesn't know that. And basically, they're going to go out of fight. I mean, he looks like he's going to take a knife out. He has to sort of beat him up. And in the, in the process of beating him up, he's like, okay, you're, you're my friend. You're the, you're the good guy here. You, you can do this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know of any other Bond scene. They might not know they're a friend, but they just say, hi, the, the code word is X, Y, Z. Um, and there's a lot of really cool people like that in these Bond films. Um, this is just a great scene. I love that scene. That's a very entertaining scene. Yep. He meets him in that whole beat-up scene. That's a great idea. Excuse me. Where do I find Quarrel? Him. Thank you. Your name, Quarrel? Maybe. I'm a friend of uh, Commander Strangways. No, ain't that nice. I like people whose friends are people. I thought you might be able to tell me what happened to him. As far as I know, nothing happened. Unless you know different, Captain. Where did you take him uh, in your boat? See that, Captain? That there's the Caribbean. That's where. Fishing. I'm interested in fishing. I'd like to charter your boat. I'm sorry, Captain. It's not for hire. Seems I came to the wrong address. That's all right, Captain. Now, if you'll excuse me, I got business to attend to. Yeah, I, like I agree with you. I don't think I've seen that either in other Bond films. I'm trying to remember them all. Well, and, and, and it's a good setup because uh, Felix Leiter thinks that Bond is actually working with Dr. No and uh, Quarrel is working with Felix Leiter. So you've got the mm -hmm. two kind of going at each other until they realize, oh, actually, no, we're all on the same side.
Uh, and <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's an interesting setup. And then I, I do like the Quarrel character. I think he's got a good kind of personality, and uh, he's not overplayed. I don't think. I thought John Kitzmiller did a good job on acting that. Yeah, out. he's a good actor. He's been in some other really interesting films as yes. well. Um, yeah. Italian films, very good actor. Have some interesting women leads that he, uh, Eunice Gayson. Um, we see her earlier on the golfing scene <laughs> oh, <laughs> after right. they meet in the casino. Oh, yes. Yep. Bernard Lee, of course. Bernard Lee is M. I mean, he is just super. He's an actor we've seen in many films. I think you've had him possibly in some of the movies that you have gone over. But English oh, actor definitely. Lee. He was a staple yeah. of a staple of English film. Yeah, I like. I like that play they any kind like of character. Three in the morning or something like that too. And they're they're still everybody's still at the office. They're still working. <laughs> and he says the bond. Good evening, sir. Happens to be three a.m. When do you sleep, double seven? Never on the phone's time, sir. Sit down. Jamaica went off the air tonight, just like that. Right in the middle of the evening procedure. We've checked up and, and Strangways has disappeared. So's his secretary. She was a new girl, we'd only just sent her out there. Well, was Strangways on something uh, special? Well, he was checking an inquiry from the Americans. They've been complaining about massive interference with their Cape Canaveral rockets. They think he comes from the Jamaica area. Does toppling mean anything to you? A little. He's throwing the gyroscopic controls of a guided missile off balance with a, a radial beam or something, isn't it? More or less. Five million dollars worth of missile aimed at a spot in the South Atlantic. But finishing up in the middle of the Brazilian jungle's bad enough. Now they're going to try orbiting a rocket round the moon. The American CIA sent a man down to work the Strangways. A fellow by the name of Leiter. Do you know him? I heard of him, but never met him. Has he found out anything? Anything important? You'd better ask him. You're booked on the seven o'clock plane to Kingston, and that gives you exactly three hours, 22 minutes. <laughs> That's right. It's three in the morning, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then as he's leaving, he, Only two he, suits. Buzzes, uh, he buzzes... Uh, uh, Maxwell, Mrs. Moneypenny. Yes, yeah, that's Moneypenny a great says, character, too. Yeah, cut the chit-chat. He's got, he's got to get on the plane or whatever. It's, it's just a funny scene, and I like the interaction with Mrs. Moneypenny in this movie. There's so many movies. I almost kind of wish that she, as a character, would pop up just a, just a little bit here and there during the movies. You know, maybe occasionally she has to fly yes. out there. Something special, yep. you know, something where he's going, not maybe just another five or eight minutes, something where she could be really helpful to a scene. And then it explains more and more why every time Bond sees her, he's, you know, falling for her again and she's falling for him. Yes, yeah. I often want to have, want to redo films a little bit to make them a little bit different. Now, one thing that I noticed about Bond in this film, particularly, he's dressed as well as, as Cary Grant was in North by Northwest. They must have gone to the same tailor. His suits, he had four or five of them, were perfect. They were perfect, perfectly made. So the man is not only debonair and suave and has a license to kill, but he has great clothes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and when he fights, he doesn't ruin his clothing. If you've ever noticed it, no, no, he, he's never. He he knows how to fight. 
in style in jackets and out of it. It's pretty amazing. It's a, it's a skill. It's good. Miss <laughs> Taro. I think she, she plays the character who's sort of trying to get bond, um, along with, uh, professor Dent, but, uh, she invites him or no bond goes out to her house. Right. And they have that scene and that's where the kind of, there's the setup where he ends up shooting that yeah. uh, professor. Now, was yeah. she supposed to be Chinese? I, I couldn't I couldn't figure out what the heck her character was supposed to be. What they said like. on the audio commentary that I heard, but she is supposed to be Chinese in her background, but she's supposed to be more um, living like throughout the entire world type of a thing, even though she's Chinese. So she'll live in various places. Okay. So, so a Chinese person that would not have an accent strongly as Chinese as someone who only lived there. Gotcha. Um, they didn't. Yeah, exactly. That's what they had said, and um, so she plays it really, really well. I mean, person I think they, of the world. So she just travels around. She's obviously got a lot of money. I like that. I like that. Person of the world. How do How do you all rate the film? I Arthur invented the fifteen scale, so we used that before. <laughs> yeah. Arthur, since Arthur since you extended our that. scale for us, right? Like, so, make the extension <laughs> scale on this one. You know, I I think. You know, if it weren't, I, if the film were the film on its own level and I see it and I enjoy it, a nine is what I would normally give it. I think it's got a few things that aren't bad, but don't quite give it compared to some other bomb ones and other things. Well, it's almost there, but it has this like uh, feeling to it as you watch it again. I mean, I literally saw it twice in the span of three days and it, it actually just went by so quick. I was just watching it and enjoying it. Ten has to be what it gets. This is... This film literally has become, it's groundbreaking. It's, it's not groundbreaking in the sense that people know about it as groundbreaking. Star Wars is groundbreaking that people know it is groundbreaking. 2001, you know, not as much as Star Wars worldwide, but it's up there. But I think, I think it really, it took, it made a cultural impact and the film quality is absolutely super. And because of that impact and its long lastingness, if this film didn't do as well, we might not have had the whole series and we would have missed Roger Moore um, and the other one off, you know, with other people did a great job. We got Daniel Craig and other great actors too, Pierce Brosnan and other ones. So um, it, I, I think, I think I give it a 10 overall for its overall impact plus the quality of what it does. It's How about you, Matt? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things where the pacing is a little off, and it gets—it's a little bit like, oh, they're—they're—they're they're, they're going through the river and sneaking around again, and when are they ever going to get to this place that they're supposed to be safe? And you know, and so there's a few of those things which would normally bring me down a little bit, but I'm kind of like, well, this movie is like such a iconic movie, and it, it changed a lot of the way that movies were made afterwards, and like you said, it kicked off a whole media empire. Uh, so I'm going to give it a ten, just. And, and it's a super enjoyable movie. Like it's the kind of movie that you could watch, like you said, over and over again and find funny things and interesting yeah. things about it. I go with the 10 too, because for me, it's, it, I, I really do see it as a transition from the films before it that were spy movies or detective shows uh, into a whole new realm of, of movie making where that's, in, that's combined with the, uh, the chase and, and the special effects and all of that. So for me, it's, it's a, and besides, when I went to it, I, I couldn't believe how well, how much I loved it. Especially when he shoots that guy right out of the, you know, take that. Yeah, it reminds me of the way that I felt when I first saw The Matrix. I remember there was like this incredible word of mouth about The Matrix. 
Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, you got to go see this movie. You got to go see this movie. And then I went and saw it. And I was just like, my mind was blown. You know? And I came out of that going, wow, that's going to change movie. Yeah. No, it is like that, though. It is. Yeah. And, and we've all had films like that. Yeah, so we, we know, see it. But now it's going to be a problem for me because when we do From Russia With Love, I think that's even a better film. So I don't know where I'll have to go to Arthur's 15. Scale, since Arthur's on, we can use the 15 scale. You definitely can use the 15 scale. Right. And I, so without that wave of Dr. No, without that wave of, of, uh, of 60s films, spy, thriller, and related, you don't get the same fear in movies. You, you don't get the same trend of people loving movies and wanting to create them. And the actress, so there would be not as many great films had Doctor No not ever been around and not made a James Bond uh, shift into the culture. Oh, that's so true. Uh, up until the current time, yeah, that's very true. Well, just Jason Bourne. Come to example. add to that. Uh, uh, George Lucas said that Bullet was an inspiration for him, and that was 1968. And I got to think that Bullet was influenced by Doctor No and the James Bond movies. It absolutely yes. was. Oh, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh, oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, we're connecting <clears throat> the dots. That's true. But when I say the influence, and you're seeing it too, and, and Bob's talking about an experience you can't take away. You actually see, you actually saw this happen in front of your eyes. And um, it, it's, it's, it's a lot more than just the pieces that make the whole, but they are important because think about the motivation. If they're not motivated, these great uh, people who made the film, Star Wars does not occur. If that film did, was not motivated to being able to be made, and it had a lot of elements, oh. I didn't. I haven't heard you every last it, yeah. at first, but it's it needs those elements of uh, to be pushed in to create. Otherwise, it doesn't get made when it was made, and if it doesn't get made when it was made, you're not having the same picture. It's not the same people. It's not the same yeah. time. You don't get it. Matt, we should probably wrap it up. Uh, Arthur, it's great to see you for the first time. Well, it's great seeing you, too. Got, I'm looking, yeah. looking forward to, to more of these. And um, we'll by more. the way, congratulations on, on more Patreons. I really hope it keeps going. This first- episode 200, relatively, at some point recently, make it 25,000. you got plenty more movies to go. you got many more subjects to cover within classic film and drama and <laughs> all the related radio and, and Unlimited. So you got many more to go. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us, Arthur. It's really... Thanks for joining us, Arthur. Yeah. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. That was our review of Dr. No and, and having our uh, excellent guest, Arthur Skulko, on and coming to you from North Bend. This is Matt. And here coming in Los you. Angeles, this is Bob. And uh, Arthur, I'll turn it over to you. Coming to you from Norwich, Connecticut, sunny and bright and windy. This is Arthur Skulko for ClassicMovieReviews.net. Happy movie watching, everybody.